Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Is this real life, or is this fantasy, caught in a landslide, no escape from reality, open your eyes, okay, (laughs) welcome to Sea Westworld Right, the final episode of season three, the season finale of Westworld, we're finally here. Apologies for the delay. You know how it goes by now. And also, last week, I was moving, in the middle of moving. Man, don't move during a pandemic. It's Stephen Ray Morris here. We're coming together. And, oh no, what happened? So, I, moving, and and it was also another week of, you know, a handful of, um, a handful of podcasts to edit. And I think I didn't watch the season finale of Westworld until three in the morning. And Brenna was asleep. And so I was just locked in. But I had finished everything I had wanted to do that day. And I was like, God damn it, I will stay up all night if I have to, which I sort of did in order to watch the finale. But I just didn't. I don't. I think ultimately, and I'm sure I will be doing more recaps soon, soonish. 
I know when Camp Cretaceous comes out, the actual an actual Jurassic TV series comes out. That'll be in binging. That'll be in binge mode. So with that show, that'll be more of a watch the whole thing, first impressions, boom, as soon as I can. Then I'll probably do another episode, like a spoiler one. And the formatting of of the way to do that podcast will be much different than this kind of week-to-week thing with Westworld. I would love to do another week-to-week thing. Obviously, season four of Westworld, as we know, is coming. But with the way that this show works, I mean, we're probably not going to get a season and with the pandemic. I mean, the soonest we'd get Westworld season four would probably be like 2022 or something like that. Soonest. But I'm betting on 2023. Unless maybe like as soon as the as soon as the pandemic ends, as soon as that they can realistically do stuff like that. I yeah, I just feel like we're not gonna get Westworld season four till twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three at the earliest. And that's me being very hopeful. But anyway, so there but there might be I mean, again, we're going to be if you knew didn't hear the announcement, we're gonna be getting a Jurassic TV show. And the main uh, execs right now are the people who do The Americans, which I've heard is a great show for Carrie, not just for Carrie Russell fans, but if you're a Carrie Russell fan. Anyway, so it's still going to be a while before we'll probably be doing a recap kind of thing. So, and yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if it's for me because it's just, I love to talk about the big picture and it's this thing, at least the nice thing about doing the recaps week to week in the sense is I, I would hate to do recaps of a show that I've already seen the whole thing. That would just be such a mind, uh, like such a such a mind fuck because you're like, wait, what counts as a spoiler? What doesn't? That kind of thing. Anyway, enough of the enough of the pre-show. Let's talk about the season finale, aka Crisis Theory, of season three of Westworld. And I will say up top. Season the season finale, and it w- I realized it over the course of the show, and I'm wondering and I'm hoping that maybe this trend will continue in season four. This show is giving me major, major paranoia agent vibes. Actually, I'm going to look up paranoia agent to get like a good to get a good log line for all of you. But paranoia agent was a was an anime by Satoshi Kon, who's an amazing filmmaker. And his one TV show that he did, Paranoia Agent, was about, um, okay, here's the kind of the log line about the show, is about a social phenomenon in Tokyo caused by a juvenile serial assailant named Little Slugger. Um, And basically, it's just, it starts out as sort of this true crime sort of detective series, and then molds and shifts until it becomes this beautiful kind of existential not fairy tale, but in, in the way that I'm equating this to the season three finale of Westworld is that to me, the biggest vibe I got from this season finale was very mythic and epic vibe. It feels like we've been with these characters so long and, and, and in some ways for good or for bad, it's not necessarily about their internal journeys anymore. It's these internal journeys made external so that it's, it's not kind of these ruminating conversations. It's more about these epic actions that it, it just, and again, like how I was talking about how the last episode in this season has been giving me a lot of Princess Mononoke vibes. There's just something about this season of Westworld that the 
internal became the external. And then it feels like these are just these Goliath figures, these gods, you know, the Maeve and Dolores and Bernard and William. It just feels like the makers of Westworld, uh, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan are painting with these broad strokes. But again, like I said in the last episode, when they're having fun, it's good. And I think that's why some people are these some people, I keep saying some people all the time in these episodes are disappointed because, but again, it's for me, it's this thing of like, you complained that season two is too complicated. And we give you season three that is a much more epic, kind of larger than life vibes and simplified, you know, it's a, there's no kind of big twists or whatever. And now you're complaining about that. And it's like, well, what do you want? And obviously there's a, there's, you know, there's there's always, a, you know, I, I personally think it, it it's this diminishing returns with a show. And it's like, ultimately, if you're watching this and you're not on board, there's no way you're going to enjoy any of this because it you're supposed to be invested at this point. And I think a key scene that kind of shows that is in this, this episode goes a long way in redeeming my sort of shortcoming my my thought on the shortcoming of season three is that I felt like Bernard really didn't have anything to do this season. And this episode goes a long way in redeeming that. And there's a scene where he talks to uh, Arnold's wife, as played by Gina Torres. Um, she was in the... Do you see her in season two? I think you do see her in season two a little bit. But you mostly see her in season one when you think it's Bernard's wife... And, you know, they do the old age makeup and everything. And she has such an amazing scene. The line, uh, if you love someone, why would you ever let them go? Oh, it killed me. And I, I feel like there was reviews. I think IO9's review and a couple other places. That's like, this scene feels so meaningless and pointless, just thrown into the end of this, to the end of this season, where it, really the whole Arnold and Bernard thing wasn't really even an issue at this season. And I would argue that, that, I, I think there is something to that, but this is something where if you are invested, that scene is so powerful. And I think it restates Bernard's importance in this whole overall arc and the idea of why we do this. And I think the the whole idea of is humanity redeemable? I think that's ultimately what this season is about and why the twists regarding, you know, and we're just diving into the twists right now, the idea that the last park in Westworld was basically a military training ground. And so when Caleb was in the military, he was, they were using Westworld in order to train soldiers. And Dolores remembers that Caleb was a soldier who did the right thing, who didn't uh, take advantage of any of the hosts who, you know, were the rescued citizens or whatever. And ultimately that is why Caleb is the hero that we need Maybe not the one we deserve, but the one we need. No, no, wait. He's the hero we should aspire. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm like, the the hero we aspire to be that we deserve. I don't know. But essentially, that humanity is redeemable and that Dolores' plan isn't necessarily to wipe out humanity. It's to create a better future where hosts and humans can survive. Whether or not together, I don't think really was thought out or or you know, that's, that's neither here nor there, but yeah, I, I, uh, I forget where I was going with this, but oh, oh, so it's, it seems like that where it's like, 
oh, I don't care. Like, I don't, why would I care about this thing, this character's wife and what she has to go through when we haven't talked about her for like a season and a half or like two seasons? And it's like, no, no dummy. It's because this is, this conversation has larger implications and metaphorical and thematic things. And, but I also, but again, to, to be a little bit more fair, to be a little bit more, to be nicer to that. Again, it's, yes, the, you have to be invested in this, you know, and I just can't imagine watching a show if you're not invested, because of course, none of it's going to mean anything to you. It's like, why would you watch the last two Harry Potter movies? If you haven't watched the other ones, or if you didn't like the first one, why, what would make you think you would like the last one? It's stuff like that, where again, we're getting, (laughs) we're pulling back out again into meta, um, uh, you know, outside the, the the actual story itself into being like, why would you why would you care about any of this if you didn't care in the first like, I, I don't there's, which is funny, because then I feel like I'm kind of contradicting my own thoughts where all because I, I ranked the Westworld seasons. But it was like Westworld season one, of course, the whole thing is still the best. Then it goes Westworld the back half of Westworld season three, I think the last few episodes, I think um, genre was my okay episode, but then everything after that, I loved best of Westworld. And then Westworld back half of season two, again, once we got to the stakes and, you know, post Shogun world and everything, once we got to the meat of season two in the back half, then it was like, okay, I get this. So maybe I'm contradicting myself there, but, I guess if I, I guess I wouldn't enjoy these, these, because I, I am, I am uh, collecting those fruits of my investment. I'm cashing in on my investment in a sense by saying that I love the end of Westworld season three. I love the end of Westworld season two, not as much as the first half, because the first half, it's like you almost have to appeal to everybody and try to try to reel people back in. And then it, but so, but, but, but for me, it's not as interesting because it's more generic in a way. It's kind of like kids shows where like some of the best kids shows, their first few episodes aren't, it aren't great because it's like, you just kind of have to be a kid show. And then you get things like Digimon or Star Wars Rebels or Gravity Falls. I mean, Gravity Falls is pretty great right from the beginning, but there's a lot of kids shows where it's like, no, once you get into the latter half of their life, when it's really only like, okay, kids are watching it still because, you know, it's just something to put on. But then the people who are truly invested in the story and the storytelling are really being rewarded for their patience. And I appreciate that about Westworld. I appreciate I, I appreciate that it doesn't um, make things easy. And I think I appreciated it more in season three because it didn't make you wait for it. It was eight episodes instead of 10. And I also think that Westworld season three... I think I mentioned the last couple episodes that sinking feeling that this season was not the end of the human versus host war. This is just the beginning. This is Caleb's origin story. This is setting up the world of these mythic figures to do battle to like, you know, I'll get into some of my season four hopes, you know, at the end of this episode. But I mean, to me, it's like, okay, I'm excited. I think Bernard's going to be a major player again. I think this idea of, the the character scorned, you know, is, is Tessa Thompson, is she going to be the sort of Loki of Westworld now? Are we kind of, are we going to get out of these sort of, 
sci-fi tropes and stereotypes and and sort of the cliches into into a whole new world fantasy world or or just something more meaningful and everything and in Caleb now that he knows what's going on like are we going to see something interesting with that and you know if Dolores is truly dead quote unquote like what but what about all of her copies like what does that mean and are her copies going to be different versions of the journey that we've seen of hers already. And is Maeve going to finally save her daughter? Okay. (laughs) So it's a lot to chew on, but there was a lot happening. I mean, truly, like if we just want to throw down, if we just want to throw down the actual plot synopsis at the end of the last episode, Maeve and Dolores and Solomon, the, the brothers AI, like Reboham is the main AI that kind of controls Los Angeles or the world. And, but uh, Solomon was the sort of, the sort of uh, thrown out into the bin uh, AI from Sirach's brother. But anyway, so the Dolores, all Lady Aboshid and Maeve, I mean, they were essentially destroyed by the EMP. Caleb took Dolores's pearl and found her a new body, but sort of confronts her finally about, it's funny too, because I never really, I appreciate this season of Westworld by not doing a kind of sort of that would have bordered into parody of like, are you a robot? Are you not? It's like Caleb just doesn't know what's going on. And then he kind of gets it after a while. And so they have this great confrontation in this warehouse in downtown LA. And it was just cool to see because you don't see much of it. They didn't play too much with that overall in Westworld of like, you know, the idea that Dolores, I mean, I guess... Yeah, no, they don't really play with it too much that that Bernard, Dolores, Charlotte and Maeve are like hosts, you know, like in that sense of like the body horror element of it or like seeing Evan Rachel Wood with like just her head and then like and then she's like pulling on like the Ed Gein like sort of skin or, um, you know, from uh, it puts the lotion on the skin from Silence of the Lambs sort of situation. Like there was a little bit of this cool body horror robotics element and it's so funny because i posted this on social the i was looking i was there's a great book by jody duncan that's basically a behind the scenes and this beautiful art book and photographs of stan winston studios stan winston r.i.p was the man when it came to animatronics everything from the queen xenomorph and alien terminator predator jurassic park this man is a legend if you love sci-fi fantasy any genre film blockbuster of the last, you know, 40 years. And I was looking at the, there's a great spread of an animatronic raptor and then uh, without the skin and then one with the skin. And it was, it was, it reminded me so much of Westworld and what the host bodies look like underneath, especially the original host, because I believe, because that's another thing we learned in this episode is that Dolores is the original I mean, she was the only, she was basically the oldest host in the park. And so her body had a much more archaic kind of vibe that looked almost exactly like some of the animatronics you see in Jurassic Park. So I thought, like, I just wonder if, if Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, when they were, or the, I should say maybe the, the folks in the art department and stuff, I wonder when they were designing the host, if they kind of looked at the animatronics from Jurassic Park as a nod, because again, you know, the theme part, it's all from the same, it's all cut from the same cloth. So, or from the same, 
metal or rubber or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so there's this confrontation, and you know, again, your plan, and you know, again, I, I'm not, I don't mean to like go point by point to sort of address criticism about you know, like what was Dolores's plan exactly, and I, you know, it's kind of like criticizing the Joker's plan in The Dark Knight. It's like. It's just it's just for storytelling sake and it's just to play with these ideas. And I, I truly think as far as this path to how you feel about Dolores and, and I agree too that it's like you want, you know, there is there is a much more likable thing about her in season one going from this place of discovery. But I feel like this season was kind of her going full circle and learning to love humanity. And but she's going to play. But she's a she's a survivor and i'm actually going to be talking to polly katowski the producer for murder squad and she was we were texting a bit about this season of how pointing uh mave and dolores as survivors and so of course this idea that like dolores isn't going to trust anyone but herself and so when you look at it and in this idea of she's not going to be open to people anymore in the same way i mean everyone that she loved you know is dead and and the people that she trusted have betrayed her. So it totally makes sense that she wouldn't be kind of having her heart on her sleeve to Caleb. It's almost like, okay, I trust Caleb enough to have him around me. And I'm going to sort of test him to see how he's going to act. Because he seems like he's a good dude, but you never know. And anyway, so there that sort of angle of Dolores as a survivor along with Maeve and stuff. Um, yeah, whenever that conversation comes out with Polly, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, put a link to it. You'll know, but I, I really like that in it. And because everyone will say that just Dolores is cold and doesn't have a personality anymore or something like that. No, and it's like, she's she's a man on the mission right now. So, of course, she's not going to be, like, hard on her sleeve and stuff. It Like, all this stuff is very natural and is called, and, and it's, it's character development, you know? So, I feel like, it, it, yes, you do sacrifice likability for that. But again, my theory still holds that the wavier Dolores's hair is, the more fun she is. So, you know, you let loose, you let some rockets fly. It's fun. You have a good time. So after this confrontation, essentially, they have to go to Reboham to upload Solomon's plan and essentially enact whatever this plan is to take down Sirach. But things, of course, don't go according to plan. And... Charlotte Hale, the ghoul Hale, as I like to call her, comes back and sort of throws a wrench in everything. And Maeve, and basically, like, again, that's why I think, I mean, I'm so interested for season four, because I feel like they really position Charlotte as like kind of the new villain in a way, and gives her up to Maeve. And then Maeve, like, you know, is about to take uh, Dolores out, but Dolores, of course, uh, you know, ones up her, and then, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it looks bad for Dolores, is what I'm saying. Um, meanwhile, Caleb is is being guided towards Insight with uh, Ash and Giggles, and I'll say too, I I, I kind of thought Lena Waith and and at least Lena Waith and Marshawn Lynch were gonna have bigger roles this season, but they do a lot with what little they have to do. And so it was sad to see giggles uh, die in the crowds and riots and stuff. And again, it's, you know, I, I do understand the criticism. I mean, again, I'm saying again a lot. <laughs> uh, I do understand the sort of 
you know, this sort of riot matrix revolution. This episode felt very matrix revolutions y too, in a way, but in a good way, because I do, I still really like that story. And it's almost this idea where it's the actual mission of the main characters is so almost private and separate from every from this kind of larger riot and revolution going on. And so that also was very reminded me a lot of the matrix in that sense. And, you know, eventually um, basically everything, what's nice about this episode is that everything comes together and everyone's in the same room except for Bernard and, uh, and William, which we'll get to in a second. Well, so all you really need to know is that so everyone's trying to find the robo heaven that that um Dolores shot somewhere or you know took somewhere and and essentially this whole season has been Sirac trying to get that host data and obviously it's not in Dolores. She couldn't trust herself and she gave it to Bernard, which is why Bernard was still useful. And so after after, uh, you know, because we last left off with William holding up Stubbs and Bernard, they, of course, get the upper hand and they get a little help from Dolores's final clone in the body of Lawrence, a.k.a. Clifton Collins. That was really cool. Again, we sure would have seen more of him, but maybe that means that Clifton Collins will play a bigger role in season four, which is rad. So anyway, that that's really the purpose of Bernard in this episode is that he's he has the key to the sublime a word that i love actually so that was really cool to hear that in this episode and yeah and so even though Stubbs is dying in a bathtub quote or rotting in a bathtub what was the quote um uh, i'm bleeding out drinking shitty beer basically bernard is kind of learning what the see what i think this season was was okay is humanity redeemable Okay, if humanity is redeemable, now let's figure out a plan to re- to to do that. Like to have if humanity is redeemed, what's the future that isn't chaos? Because again, it's like Rebaham was, you know, these plans, these systems, all this stuff, it's all coming, it's all crashing down and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just it's that sort of um um what's it called when in nature when there's the the species collapse and where like it's this upward thing it's going 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 and then poof, and then it is extinction essentially and so what Dolores's plan is has a plan to to save humanity essentially and that is what Bernard has but we don't know what that is because that's the last part of the episode is him going into this plan essentially but meanwhile back at at Reboham, Sirak is trying to dive into Dolores's mind and is erasing her memories one by one, which is always a tragic villain plan, which I love. And I, I guess the other twist that I was sort of right about was that because I talked about the the um, I talked about Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, where the 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 chair turns around and it's just a skeleton because the evil villain died years ago and the robots have put in mo you know the villain had put in motion this plan and is no longer with us and so i do like that reveal that sirak is essentially he has surrendered his free will to reboham and reboham is essentially speaking through him sirak essentially got snoked and uh i i like that i like that twist because again it's this idea where 
you know, and I think that was the problem with the rise of Skywalker with bringing the Emperor back is that to kind of have the big cackling villain, it's like, okay, you can have that, but just say that that's what it is and, and don't try and have this pretense that it means anything. And so I like the idea that Serac truly was a villain because he wasn't a real person. He just was this sort of puppet, this sort of, um, this sort of, uh, I give my free, you know, the, the tabernacle, um, Zardoz, you know, sort of like, like I have surrendered myself to, to being part of this cause. So there, there is a, there is a logic and there is a design behind it. But the idea that it's like this personal evil, like I, I enjoyed that because it felt very Westworld. And I do like that this, these kind of final battles are between hosts. And really it's like kind of Caleb, who's really the only human in all of this. And I love the final confrontation. I love that these, these final conversations about what to do and how to, you know, because Dolores is being slowly drained and killed in front of Caleb and Maeve. And Maeve again has been tormented this whole season with, you know, does she, you know, she's, she's helping the wrong side for the right reasons. And finally in this episode, she makes the right choice or the choice to help Dolores. And when she decides to fucking slice up Ciroc's goons and Ciroc and save Caleb, that was just like a fist pump to the ceiling. You know, this fight in the dark, the sword and, and Thandie Newton and like just going full Kill Bill warrior was so pleasing, so cool. And I love Aaron Paul and Thandie Newton's interactions. And it, I, 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 you know, I, how long have I been going? I've been going for almost 30 minutes. This to me, again, the season feels like a beginning because it feels like we're getting the, we're getting the team together. This is the Avengers. Like we're going to have a season where there's going to be some f- forms of Dolores possibly. Uh, I mean, I think Wushashi, um, Hiroka Sonata, I think he survived. I don't remember. And then we have Clifton Collins, Jr. Dolores. And then we have the evil, uh, Dolores, aka Charlotte Hale's character, not evil, but you know, scorned, a lover scorned. And so I think like having Maeve and Kayla be kind of at the top of that, I don't know, it just feels like, yeah, we're the gang's all here, like we're ready to do this. And I think that to me, I know that's kind of annoying because it's this thing of like we live in this era of like we're constantly setting up for the future, but I feel like again, ultimately some people are disappointed with this season because there's no big twist. There's no big reveal. There's no, you know, William really was, was alive, but Dolores declared him deceased so that he couldn't have access to anything. And it was just fucking with him. And, you know, in, and then in the spoiler, in the, um, in the post credit sequence, he goes to, I think like, uh, in Dubai and, you know, tries to kill host there, but then ends up getting killed by a, a host version of himself. And it's like this, you know, uh, Heloris or uh, Shaloris or however you want to, however, Charlotte, I mean, I think maybe it's just Charlotte Hale again now, but as a host, you know, truly building an army, you know, that people were afraid that Dolores was going to do this season where, you know, at least on the surface, she only built a few copies of herself. And, uh, where was I going with this? And, you know, William, you know, getting killed at the end. And, you know, so then are we going to get Ed Harris as like 
the man, the truly the man in black, but now like kind of going full circle to kind of being like Yule Brunner from the original Westworld. So, and then uh, the final post credit scene is to show, they just show a dust covered Bernard, like, like where he was in this motel room hiding out when he went inside the sublime, the plan that Dolores had, and then he comes back out and it's like, how, how has it been hundreds of years? Has it been five years? I mean, it certainly looked like it had been more than a few years, at least, you know, maybe decades. And so to me, my hope, I mean, this is just, we'll just go right into it. I mean, my hope for season four, again, like, um, like something like the rise of Skywalker or Jurassic world dominion, what it might look like like how it might shape up to be which is we're getting the gang back together or or we're getting the gang together this is the avengers this is bringing everyone in one place again uh to have fun and to say some cool shit and do some cool shit and so yeah again i know that's annoying because it's like was this but i, I you know it's that thing of like and what's so interesting to me in the way that they make tv shows and and this is my only assumption. I, I obviously haven't been part of a TV show or a writer's room, but I do know, you know, shows have show Bibles and shows are written in the sense of like, here's how the show goes if you have one season. Here's how the show goes if you have two, et cetera, et cetera. Here's, you know, probably what you want. You know, um, recently Lisa Joy came out, I think, and said uh, James Marsden mentioned in an interview around season one saying that they had a plan for five seasons, but Lisa joy recently and like, you know, within the last week has said that, Oh no, that never really was, you know, a thing. It's like, but you know, they do have an end game and plan. And I think, I think audiences need to understand that this stuff is always rolling. And as a creator, that's gotta be such a mind fuck to be like, you might have one season or you might have five. So get to work, asshole. And so I think to me, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, I think season three was the creators, how do we make this a show that can exist without the park? And I think this season was about introducing the outside world. I think it was about introducing Caleb. And I think we're at a point now where you have enough things holding on to the original show. I think resetting Dolores, whatever form Dolores takes next, I think is good. I think having her believe in humanity again is a good thing. Having having her kind of come full circle to start anew. And then I love that Maeve is going to become this... I think Maeve and Bernard are going to be so useful because... They have had their journeys, but but they're so much more aware of of you know the full spectrum of what is happening, and so I think those things will tie really back. It is so funny. It is funny though that like every time Maeve tries to go see her daughter, it's like, well, I guess I got to do this now for a whole season. So it's like, you know, I, I can see that being kind of annoying, but I don't know. But I think that makes sense. I think Maeve is a is a survivor and she's also somebody who is smart and kind of, you know, keeps an eye on everything and sort of, you know, she's going to, she's going to, she's an independent woman in that sense. Like that's how I always like to me contrasted Dolores and Maeve, like they had very kind of similar notions, but 
Maeve was never trying to take over all of humanity. She just wanted to do what she needed to do to get by. And so that that's why Maeve is my favorite character. That's why Fanny Newton is so good in this because she can she can play that like oh god, I you know, like here's some meaning, here's some rest and peace in my life, but fuck it, I got to pick up the sword now. All right. And yeah, the ending of like Caleb and, and Maeve's del- ending in this episode is very much very fight clubby with like the city burning and exploding like this is the future. And, you know, you can be whatever the fuck you want to be like, ugh, like that stuff was so good. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Yeah, like to me, I hope season four really, I hope they don't put everyone off again. I hope this is kind of in the way that Rise of Skywalker got right, bringing everyone together. I think that would be really exciting. And because then it's these kind of long term investments that would feel earned. And I think bringing back Bernard in a in a bigger way and having him come back to the forefront a little more would feel so rewarding. And I and I like that idea. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes of The Last Jedi, which I think is one of the best Star Wars films, was having to sh- I mean, and obviously I love Lupita Nyong'o, but it's like her character was so useless. I mean, in The Rise of Skywalker as well, like her character is so useless in those movies and they don't really she doesn't really add any like her role in her her Force Awakens like stuff is very memorable and really cool. And then it just felt like they had to find a way to stick this character in to these movies where it wasn't needed. And so I like that characters can come and go, you know, obviously characters like Ptolemy or sorry, the actor's name, Ptolemy Slocum, uh, you know, like those characters, um, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern care, like those characters don't make sense outside of, the context of which they were in season one, which is why they weren't in season two that much other than kind of being dragged around. But I I like a T if a TV show is going to be around for a while, you know, that's the thing that it can do that movies can't, which is it can have characters kind of fade in and out and they're important now, but then maybe they're not so important. So they take a back seat. I, I like that. I think I feel like shows like Mad Men did that really well as, you know, as certain characters started in the background and kind of faded into the foreground and vice versa. So to me, no complaints about that. Obviously, you know, I wanted more Bernard this season, but look, I got plenty of great stuff um, instead, you know, so and again, if we're getting a season four, I have a really good feel like, again, I feel good that 
he will be in the foreground again. So whew, that was a lot. Hopefully that was not a mess. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to it anyway. But, you know, it. this is... I. I I was satisfied. I was satisfied with the ending of season three. Ultimately, again, these Princess Mononoke, this paranoia agent vibes I got from it, this sort of turning sci-fi into something a little bit more mythic and legendary just really sings for me. I, I As much as I love sci-fi, you know, in terms of my favorite genre, I guess, sci-fi, when it goes fantasy, that kind of sort of the sort of blend, you know, the sort of sci-fi to fairy tale sort of that space, that transitionatory, that liminal space right there is probably my favorite more than hard sci-fi. And so to me, if we're going to be living in that world, I would so much I would so much rather go there gung-ho instead of living in this world of sci-fi clichés that again isn't always the most satisfying personally. So my season four, bring on the weird, bring, you know, is the maze back? Like all this stuff. Are we going to get, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to speculate about anything right now. Cause obviously season three just ended and it's going to be a long time before we get season four. But what do you want? Did you enjoy season three? Do you want more of the twistiness of season two to come back? Do you want it to be do you want to return to hard sci-fi and what the heck is going on this of of the earlier seasons or are you more are you you know are you is your heart aching for the more openly emotional sort of larger than life stakes uh yeah i don't know man i i really liked getting a, having a chance to sit with, even though this week has been insane and moving and all this other stuff and just dealing with the world it was a lot, but I, I'm really glad I got to watch. I'm really glad that I, I got to watch the finale on Sunday so that I wasn't just like, oh, no, am I going to have to avoid spoilers all week and just feel that. So I'm so glad I got to sit with this episode for a week before talking to you all. And, you know, it's Sunday night right now, and we're, on, we're not going to get a new Westworld tonight, which is just makes me sad. But I'm excited for season four. I'm excited for the future, the future world. And obviously, this is a Jurassic Park podcast, so that'll always be the focus. But there's a ton of people I want to talk to who love Westworld. A lot of people who like Jurassic Park as well. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, go back to our regularly Jurassic program, but I'm going to be peppering Westworld conversations throughout and we'll keep an eye and keep our, keep our robot eyes. To, I don't know. We're going to, you know, we're still going to keep Westworld in our hearts, you know? And I think that's all that's all I want to say for right now. So while this is the end of these recaps, you'll probably be hearing more about Westworld very soon. So I love all of you. Take care. Stay safe. And yeah, uh, enjoy your Sunday or Monday or whenever you listen to this. Thank you. On a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.